breaking down NSO's Pegasus spyware scandal, and China accused of cyber attack on Microsoft Exchange servers. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. This week, a massive data leak revealed how spyware has been used to target human rights activists, journalists, and lawyers, suggesting that attackers have been exploiting zero-day flaws in Apple applications and devices. Joining me to tell us more is Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor for Security and Technology. So Jeremy, can you bring us up to speed on what we know so far on this story, which has been dubbed the Pegasus Project Exposé? We hear that potentially 50,000 individuals have been targeted. So Pegasus is made by an Israeli company called the NSO Group. And this company has been proven controversial in the past uh, because it's been alleged that they sell their surveillance software to governments that often use it to target human rights activists and dissidents and journalists. And basically what the software does is that it has complete access to everything on your phone. So it has access to your contacts. It has access to your email. It has access to your text messages. And so it's a very powerful tool. And what Amnesty and other groups have have said is that NSO group, you should not be selling this to governments that use it against people who are doing good things. NSO group's defense has always been, we only sell it to people who want to target terrorists and criminals. So that's where the argument is kind of stood. It has a NSO group has an export license from Israel. So Israel says, yes, you can export this. But I just saw the news this afternoon. Israel is going to look into these latest allegations that this software is, is being abused. And I, I guess apparently review their export license again. So this isn't the first time the NSO group has allegedly used zero click attacks to exploit vulnerabilities in Apple products. Why is this story of significance now? Yeah, I guess uh, it's interesting to find out what well, what's kind of different here with NSO Group. And largely, the allegation is kind of the same, is that this software is being sold to countries that are using it to target people who shouldn't be targeted by this, and it's, it's unfair. Um, what is kind of interesting and new is that Amnesty says that there are likely vulnerabilities in Apple's iPhone and Apple's software applications that are enabling this to be installed on the phones. And you mentioned zero clicks. So how does this work? Uh, zero click attack means that you don't have to do anything with your phone. They literally send you kind of like a ping and your phone is infected. This involves Apple's iMessage application, which is Apple's uh, messaging application. Messaging applications are really complicated pieces of technology because I can literally send anybody who has an Apple iPhone, I can send them content. I could send them a photo. You know, usually it's just a message or a photo. It also could be executable code. And that's presumably what's happening in this case. We don't exactly know if there's a vulnerability in iMessage. It looks like they've done good forensic analysis and it looks like, yeah, they're probably installing Pegasus using iMessage and perhaps some, um, a couple of other tricks. They've identified a lot of infrastructure that is believed to belong to NSO Group. So it does look like that there's vulnerabilities in the iPhone, which also isn't surprising. So can you share examples of how the zero-click attacks were being executed? Yeah, so we have like little shreds of it. So Amnesty wrote on its blog, uh, like for instance, like iMessages on your phone will look up a certain sort of address of another iMessage user and then the attack is kind of executed in there somehow. 
but it's all really kind of fuzzy. And when Apple was asked about this, you know, they basically said, yes, it's completely possible that we would have vulnerabilities in our phone, but these are the types of things that cost millions of dollars to develop. And, you know, we try our best to develop secure software, but this could potentially happen. Incidentally, Apple did release an update for iOS I think uh, last night or perhaps the day before, we don't really know if there's a patch that would fix iMessage. There's been no description of these vulnerabilities whatsoever. Because of Amnesty's report, researchers are probably going to start looking at this like really, really closely to see if they can identify an issue. And what's been the reaction from the cybersecurity community? And what sort of questions does this raise moving forward? It's a reminder once again. I mean, yes, all software is vulnerable. And if you are a person that's in a vulnerable position, you should be aware that nothing is 100%. If you're using a device, if you're using a messenger, whether that's Signal or WhatsApp, they all can have bugs in them and they all could potentially be used to buy on the content that you're sending. So this is, this is it's a risk of around like using electronic devices. I mean, I think the cybersecurity community is also a little bit trying to figure out, well, what's this list? Where did it come from? Why do we think that these people were potentially targeted? Because what Amnesty did is that they took of these 50,000 numbers, they identified a handful of them, a few dozen of them, and were able to actually get their physical devices from these people. So these were journalists around the world and other people that submitted their phones for forensic analysis. And that's how they kind of reached this sort of conclusion. We don't know who passed them this list, right? We don't know what the motivations of those parties are. There's just like unresolved questions kind of around this. And NSO group has just strictly denied that they were subject to a data breach or that that material came from its systems. So perhaps in the you know days and weeks ahead, we'll, we'll have some more visibility on, on maybe where that list came from. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The brouhaha over NSO Group's spyware, as well as the firm's customer base, has reignited questions over how and if this business model should be allowed to exist. Joining me to discuss the rise of commercial spyware is executive editor Matthew Schwartz. So Matt, NSO Group has been likened to being the SpaceX of surveillance. How did we get here? Yes, that's a great question. And that line, the SpaceX of surveillance, was uttered by cryptographer Matthew Green, he teaches at Johns Hopkins University. And what he says is that NSA's genius is they've done something that attackers were never incentivized to do in the past. They've democratized access to exploit technology. So I'm just going to unpack that a little bit. What's fascinating for me about NSA Group, as Green highlights, is in the past, we have seen attackers occasionally get access to zero-day exploits. So these are flaws in widely used software that are not publicly known. They might be known by a small group of different attackers. It's possible that an intelligence agency, for example, has discovered this or purchased someone's research into this and converted it into a weaponized exploit is what they tend to call it. But what we've seen is that in the past, some organizations have been able to obtain zero days. So 10 years ago or so, we saw this with the Zeus cybercrime gang. Apparently, they'd gotten so successful, had so much revenue, that they were able to buy these extremely powerful, extremely expensive exploits to help their customers exploit more targets. Now we're seeing the same thing with spyware. Apparently, the revenues from this commercial spyware being developed by the likes of NSO Group are so good 
that they can purchase the ability to exploit the latest version of Apple's iOS operating system running on the latest devices. So this is a worrying development when it comes to commercial spyware, especially if it is being sold, as has been alleged, to regimes that really shouldn't have this power because they're using it to crack down on dissidents, journalists, political rivals, and the like. So what are some strategies for disrupting this business model? We are already seeing Apple take numerous steps to make these attacks more difficult. For example, it'll patch its software whenever one of these flaws comes to light. And it's been putting things into its software to try to protect elements of it that are being targeted, like Blastor. Green says it might need to take much further steps. So he says iMessage might need to be completely rewritten in order to eliminate these kinds of attacks. We've seen organizations do this sort of thing in the past. Microsoft, for example, radically rewrote parts of Windows to help eliminate some of the most prevalent types of attacks against Windows users. This is costly, time-intensive, and if you get it wrong, even for a small percentage of your user base, that can still have massive disruption because of how many people are using this software. So that's difficult. But another thing that we can do to make these attacks more costly is just to call them out, is to publish details about how this is being done so organizations can better defend themselves. And by doing that, it also burns these types of attacks not just the specific zero day that was used for this zero click attack, but more attacks of these types. So the more we can close this down as an attack avenue, the more it raises the challenge of these sorts of attacks being exploited in the future. So I have an important question for you. If NSO Group doesn't know its targets, how can it state, as it has done, that certain individuals are not or were not being targeted? This is a persistent question with all of these revelations over NSO group. One of the questions is, are these 50,000 individuals on a target list? NSO group has continued to refute that saying, we've checked with our customers and these aren't target lists. It's said that in the past as well. For example, the use of its software was tied to Saudi Arabia, keeping an eye on Khashoggi, the dissident that it had murdered. And NSO group then, and also, recently again now, because these allegations have resurfaced, has said our software was never used against him. Asked how it could verify this, because NSO Group has said that we don't know who our customers are targeting. The Financial Times said, well, tell us then how you know these things. And the Financial Times editor was on this list of 50,000 people. So obviously this is a personal question, right? And so the NSO Group's CEO said, well, we ask all of our customers individually Have you been targeting this particular dissident or that particular journalist? Are you complying with our terms and conditions? So we have these oppressive regimes saying, oh, no, of course not. We would never do that. Not really sure how much we should trust any of those sorts of assurances that we're getting. And finally, this week, the Biden administration formally accused a group working for China's Ministry of State Security of carrying out a series of attacks against vulnerable Microsoft Exchange email servers earlier this year. Joining me is Scott Ferguson, Managing Editor for GovInfo Security, who's been monitoring this story closely over the past few days. So, Scott, for the last six to eight months, the Biden administration has focused mostly on Russia and its activities. How significant is this switch to China and its capabilities? Well, thank you, Anna. I think it's pretty significant. We've opened up, or I should say the Biden administration has opened up a new front in its efforts to address 
cybersecurity and the threats to American interests, American business, and especially American critical infrastructure. So this was a fairly large undertaking. You saw that it took the Biden administration about three to four months to come up with not only the evidence to put this on China, these exchange attacks, but also bring along a large coalition of other countries. You had the UK, the European Union, and most importantly, NATO come in and say, we agree with the Biden administration on its assessments. We think the attribution is there. We're going to loan our voices into this and call out China for these activities. You mentioned the MSS, uh, Ministry of State Security, was carrying out. It was a pretty significant undertaking, and it took a long time for them to get everything lined up and present this case to the world. And you also saw, too, as an aside, other countries coming out. Norway came out and said, we believe the attack on our parliament was related to the Microsoft Exchange hacks. Thus, we believe that China is is responsible for this. So you had you had a pretty worldwide effect from from what we saw on, on, on this past Monday with this. Now, while the Biden administration formally accused China of sanctioning these exchange attacks, this week, the Justice Department unsealed an indictment accusing four Chinese nationals of conducting a variety of cyber operations against the US and other organizations around the world. Is this timing a coincidence? Not a coincidence at all. I believe fully that they had had this indictment set for a while. They decided to unseal it either Friday or Monday, depending on where you where the timing is on, on it all. They wanted to let China know that they had been monitoring other members of their security state for operating in this way. So this was all part of a coordinated effort to call out China. So you had the Biden administration with their main talking points. You had this indictment come out. Um, You also had the NSA, FBI, and CISA release a large document on 50 different techniques and tools and procedures that the Chinese hackers had used to target organizations around the world. And really for security leaders and CISOs, that's really the most important part is that document because it can tell you if you had been seeing some sort of malicious activity, could you tie it back to China? So All these different documents are important, but I think even more so than that indictment, that NSA document is extremely important because it calls out what the Chinese attackers have been using and what possible scenarios they've been using for these attacks. And I think it's going to force these Chinese attackers to change their techniques. So it's going to disrupt them, at least in the short term, to rethink their techniques. Scott, what do you predict will happen next? Are sanctions against China on the horizon and is naming and shaming enough? That's an interesting question. I actually put that to Christopher Painter. He's a former State Department official, former DOJ official. And he talked about that a little bit with me for for an article I had done. And he said with naming and shaming in this case, it actually works with China because China is very interested in its position on the world stage. He said you could call out Russia and they kind of take it as a badge of honor. They kind of they they don't mind being called out. Their kind of behavior, it just kind of rolls off of of of, of Russia's back. China, on the other hand, is more susceptible to this sort of naming and shaming. It put, as you mentioned before, the indictment put specific people's names out there as, as alleged members of the MSS conducting operations. You're calling out China, which sees itself as a major player on the world stage. It doesn't want to be associated with cyber campaigns that were that were laid out by the Biden administration. So what what Chris was telling us is, is that in 2015, when Obama administration did sort of the same technique, 
China backed off for a while. So the, the Biden administration seems to be betting on if we can call them out, they will back off or they'll at least change their behavior for a while. And as you mentioned, there were no sanctions, but it also sets up a way for when Biden eventually has a meeting with the Chinese leadership. This is something he can bring up to them without having to worry about sanctions being on the table as well. He can hold off sanctions, he can threaten to use them, but they're not there yet. So it might be able to bring the Chinese leadership to the table and come up with some sort of new agreement. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. <laughs>